Welcome to Striving Together, a podcast for the Imago Day Church family to help us follow Jesus together in the grace of His gospel. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Devin Mankata and Laura Still. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Uh, our topic for today, we are continuing on our sin-themed podcast, which is just super fun. But the topic of today is applying the gospel to my sins. So let's just jump right in. What do we mean by applying the gospel to the sin we've become aware of in our lives? If we're already in Christ, isn't the gospel already applied to our sin? Why does this need to be an ongoing practice for the Christian? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. So I think in one sense, it's true that if we're thinking about our status in Jesus, like Romans 8, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Colossians, he says that it's our sin has been nailed to the cross so that we, you know, we don't bear it anymore. And so in one sense, you know, Christ has dealt with our sin and it's paid for. Uh, but in another sense, we've, we've not crossed that river into God's kingdom. We, sin still clings to us. And so there are these times in our lives where, um, what we profess to believe um, does not match up with how we act and how we live. And so in applying the gospel, we are responding to our sin and realizing that I believe the gospel once, that God's grace is there for my sin, but now I need to believe it again, that when I sin, there, that God's grace is there for me. And uh, so this applying the gospel is this ongoing act of coming to God and coming to his grace and coming to his work in Jesus and reminding ourselves of, of what he's done. Um, Laura, how do we do this? Like, what does it look like? Give us some pro tips. <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I think we are sometimes, well, first of all, I think we start basically with um, studying scripture. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Jen Wilkin is the heart can't love what the mind doesn't know. And so if we're not in the word, it's hard to know who God is, who we are in Christ. And so we want to have a right and a biblical worldview of, of who we are and who God is. And so I think studying God's word is, is first. Um, I think second is, is not only studying God's word, but meditating on God's mm-hmm. word daily. You know, we, um, we're self-sufficient people. And I think we think we can do a lot on our own and it's important for us to remember, we've got to be tied into the vine to navigate this life. I think another really good tool is self-examination. We're not always in the practice of doing that, but really just asking ourselves the tough questions. Um, you know, instead of listening to ourselves, um, maybe speak to ourselves and speak truth <laughs> to ourselves through the word. And, um, but really just, um, you know, asking ourselves the tough questions and the situations we get into. I love the verse in Romans 2.21 that says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? So examining our hearts, preaching the gospel to ourselves. Um, yeah. Okay, let's do some case studies. Let's get real in the details. Um, we're going to take three sins, and you guys can advise how do we apply the gospel. So first up, pride. If I am struggling with pride, how do I apply the gospel to that particular sin? Yeah, I think uh, I think what we want to do is first off, like what what not to do, right? So I think in many ways, um, here's where I feel is that I start responding to the gospel in wrong ways, and I start believing false gospels. And so I could believe that um, I either just need to dismiss it; it's not it's not that bad, or it wasn't that big of a deal, or I may want to hide it because it's too shameful. I recognize that um, that my sin is great. I reckon maybe I recognize that my pride is there. And so maybe I just don't want to, sh- don't want to reveal how, how bad I really am. Or I um, may see it and I want to be crushed by it because of just, I see the depravity of my own sin. But I think all of those are in many ways, wrong responses to our sin, wrong responses to our pride or whatever other sin there may be is 
We don't hide. We don't dismiss. We don't be crushed by it. But we come and now remind ourselves of what God has done for us in the gospel. And in pride, we begin to to think that um, that I'm God, that everything kind of now revolves around me, that I'm most important. And so an outworking of that pride is often that we're either impatient with others when they don't meet our agenda. We have a desire for applause or for power. Um, we're focusing on our achievements and and we're crushed by whatever perceived inadequacies, inadequacies we have. And so anything that doesn't focus on me becomes an error. And so I need to promote myself and, and show how successful I am. And so, but the gospel says like, that God is God, right? And that I exist to, to serve him and that actually I am more of a danger to myself than what I realize. Um, but the good news is, is that, that actually the God man, Jesus, who had the most reason to be prideful, right? He humbled himself and he died for us. And so that now I don't lack anything. I don't, I don't have to prove myself anymore. I don't have to try to earn anymore. I don't have to try to like elevate myself anymore uh, because now God has saved me from myself. And, and now I can walk in humility and I can walk in the grace that God has given. And I don't have to assert myself any longer. I can um, now just let Christ do all the work on my behalf. And so I think uh, when it comes to pride, I think there's what we want to do is want to identify or any other sin. Um, what are the false gospels I'm believing? And what are the lies I may believe about who God is and what he's done and about myself? And then now, what is actually the true gospel? What is it actually that I should believe about God, about what Christ has done and about myself? That's good. Um, I struggle with trying to prove my worth through my productivity, through my value and what I do. And I'm always preaching to myself on my least productive day ever. I am just still very loved, very valued by my God and King. And even if I don't feel like that from the world, um, I don't have to be, I don't have to perform to receive his love and to rest in that. And that is one way I apply to the gospel, you know, in that sense. Um, Laura, sexual sin. And there's so many different, you know, offshoots of this, but just your worst. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, we're dealing with a lot in our culture these days that, that could fall under the umbrella of sexual sin. We could be talking about someone struggling with um, premarital sex or, um, you know, pornography or even transgender issues. And so I think, you know, one of the things um, we want to go straight to scripture and see that um, we are bought with price. Um, so glorify God in our bodies. Mm -hmm. So starting with that, recognizing who we are in Christ, we um, belong to him and um, just recognizing, you know, a lot of times in counseling, we will say, you know, put off and put on. And so depending on what sin we're talking about, um, encouraging to start putting off some of those patterns that don't glorify the Lord or some of those habits that we're, we've gotten into um, and putting on the things that are going to glorify the Lord and righteousness and holiness and serving the Lord and serving others. And so just praying to the Lord to help us transition out of um, sin into um, a holy life that where we walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Yeah, I think in in with sins of uh, sexual morality and especially like pornography and and lust and those things, I think that's 
because there's so much shame and burden attached to it, I think that we can begin to think that those most shameful parts of my life are where the gospel can't touch. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it's actually the opposite is true, mm-hmm. that the sh- most yeah. shameful, the darkest parts of my sin and my flesh and my life, uh, that the light of salvation can come and shine brightly through and can, can yes. heal and, and bring freedom and bring repentance. And so I think that um, when we begin to believe that, oh, man, maybe Christ can't fix this sin in my life. It's actually, no, no, he can fix all the sins. He can clean everything. There's no job, no um, no area of my life that no, is too shameful for him to not be able to, to bear and clean up. That's good. So good. I also think there's an accountability aspect when we're dealing with sexual sin. I mean, let's bring the body in. Let's have yeah. people walk alongside us and bear our burdens with us. Yeah. How do we apply the gospel to the sin of gossip? Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think it's uh, with with gossip. I think that we can begin to believe that um, other people are our opponents, even if they're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And so we can begin to think that it's enjoyable or necessary to mock or hurt or belittle someone um, because by doing that, I may be able to elevate myself by putting somebody else down. Um, but in reality, it's. Jesus has was crucified for that person. And if they are a brother and sister in Christ, like he died for them and now he has united us to them. And so he, just as he died for you. And so I think in, in what we need to do is begin to see them as not our opponents um, or not as somebody for us to step on to elevate ourselves, but as someone who Christ died for just as equal to us. And, and if they're not a believer, if they're not a brother and sister, then it's someone who we should desire to be a brother and sister. So our, we should not desire to to mock them or to belittle them, but to realize that, man, Jesus was mocked and belittled and crushed for them and that mm-hmm. and um, without Jesus, they have no hope. And so I think in seeing that what the gospel has done for us, um, we at times with gossip think the other person is not deserving of that same gospel. And when in reality that Christ has died for all of us and that we would want him to um, them to know him more and then to um, enjoy his grace more. Um, next question. And this morning I happened to be reading a book from a Scottish author named Sharon Dickens. And I read the sentence. Um, oftentimes we are quick to speak the word of the gospel to others, but not apply it to our lives. And so that leads into the next question. What is the danger in not applying the gospel to our sin when we're just people who can can spout it and quote it real quick, but don't actually apply it? What's the danger? Yeah, I think one of the challenges with our sin is when we are the sinner, our sin can sometimes be veiled to who to what we've done. Our sin has like a veiling effect. And so it's not always easy for us to actually recognize sin in our lives. Mm -hmm. We're really experts at recognizing sin in other people's (laughs) lives, but we're not always great at doing that with ourselves. And so, you know, I think um, becoming like like I said earlier, like trying to examine our hearts, we want to make sure we're doing that. The reality is we have blind spots. And so um, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is to walk with one another through this life. And so um, I think doing that, we also, you know, I think about the fool in Proverbs. We don't want to be the fool in Proverbs. And so um, making sure that we are um, in the word and um, also, you know, we minister to others from from our hearts. And so if, if we are so, um, 
if we're so, you know, deep in our sin, it's hard for us to minister to other people if we're not able to climb out of that ourselves. And so finding a way for us to, um, walk with others in our sin. Um, and then the greatest fear is Matthew 7, 23. Um, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we don't want to be so blinded to our sin that we aren't even walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. We're not following the things of the Lord. And our sin can do that to us. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we have those, like you said, just those two pitfalls of I don't want to be blind to my sin um, and I don't want to be burdened, overly burdened by my sin. So I think the gospel frees us from being blind. So we see our sin correctly. We don't have to dismiss it or boast in it or ignore it. But then um, I don't want to be I'm not I don't have to be burdened by my sin. I don't have mm-hmm. to grovel or sulk or beat myself up or be crushed by it because Jesus has rescued me from that. He mm-hmm. his burden is light and mm-hmm. easy and he and he cares for us and he is gentle and lowly um, as Dane Ortland in his book um, by that title has has mm-hmm. kind of affirmed really heavily. And so I think that, yeah, those are the two kind of spectrums we want to avoid. More. That's the danger of not applying the gospel. I think for me, applying it starts with believing it. So when I, when I read, you know, there's now no condemnation, I have a hard time believing it because I know me, I know my sin. And so before I have to back up, before I start to apply it, I just pray like, Lord, help me to believe this because it's true. Um, okay. Last question. What resources have you found to be helpful in applying the gospel to our sin? Yeah, so I think the first one um, has been really helpful for me is uh, is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. That's mm-hmm. been um, immensely helpful. And I know a lot of people at IDC have, have read that. But I think what is helpful about that is that it does not start with us in applying the gospel. Like when we apply the gospel, we start with God and with who he has revealed himself to be. And, and he is a God who is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so when I start with who God is and who Jesus has come to be and who he has revealed himself to be, then I can begin to apply the gospel correctly because oftentimes I start with myself and then I overly Mm -hmm. fixate on my own sin and I overly fixate on what I've done. And so then what happens is I begin to realize like, oh, I have sinned. So now what does this say about me? And I think that's a good question that can ask, but oftentimes that's, we're asking it too quickly. We're like, okay, I did this one sin. Now, now what is my identity? And when in reality it's, I have done this sin. Now, who do I go to? And I think if we know who God is, if we know that he is merciful and gracious, in addition to being holy, then when I see sin in my life, I can run to him because I know him and I know who he's revealed himself to be. And then I can understand my own sin properly and I can understand who he has made me to be properly. And so I think uh, Dane Ortland's book kind of helps fix our eyes on God rather than ourselves and helps fix us on what Jesus has done rather than on what I've done and, and able to help us see those things in right proportion to one another. Mm -hmm. So good. I I'm a big fan of Jerry Bridges. And so I love trusting God, but I also love respectable sins confronting the sins we tolerate. There's a lot of small sins that we seem to tolerate in the, in our Christian walk. And so it, he just kind of pulls those out and, and applies the gospel to them. I love those. And my latest favorite book is You Are Not Your Own, A Belonging to God in an Inhuman World by Alan Noble. And it's excellent. All right. Thank you, guys. This has been such a great conversation. IDCers, I hope you have found this helpful. And I pray that we can encourage one another as we walk together, applying the gospel to our sin. 